0: Spooey. And I am here today with Rachel Ardenoy. Did I say that right? You nailed it. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Rachel, I'm so excited to have you. Rachel and I just got to chat a little bit before this podcast went live. And I tell you, I could talk to her all day long. So I am really excited to have her on. And thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, first, tell us a little bit. I always just want to know what makes you a mom, and then we can get into that nitty gritty businessy stuff. Tell us about your family at home.
1: Absolutely. So I am a mom
0: of two humans and two cats. I
1: have my daughter, Hannah, who is four and a half, and my son, Ezra, who is two and a half. And they will be turning three and five in November. They're born two years and one week apart. So (laughs) Hannah's an 11-11 baby. And then her little brother came in 11-18. And um, so that's been really fun, especially over the past year and a half. And then we have two kittens that just
0: turned one yesterday. Okay, well, tell us. You've got to tell our listeners about what happened yesterday. Oh, we had a, we had to have a birthday party for the cats. Yes, we adopted these cats in the
1: fall. And the source of the adoption said they were born on August 15th. So naturally, my husband and kids have been having a countdown as to the, having a birthday party. So it was a great time had by y'all.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love when families have birthday parties for their pets. I think that is just big fun. We have done that. We love to make cakes for our dogs and cats. And it's always just been kind of silly, but a lot of fun. Well, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about that you mentioned actually, when we were just talking And it was something that your mom said. I mean, one thing that I just noticed immediately in speaking with you is you have such a positive outlook on things. And tell us a little bit about where did that outlook come from and how have you used that nugget and tell us about your mom's nugget.
1: Yeah, my mom, um, she gave me some really great advice. And this was when I was in high school. I was probably in 11th grade or so. And she gave me a little business card sized piece of paper that just said, What if we just acted like everything was easy? And I've carried that little piece of paper around with me through the years and I've applied it to essentially everything I've gone through. And, you know, like I'm sure everybody who's listened or been on your podcast, as moms, lawyers, business owners, we have been through a lot and we have a lot on our plates. And so acting like it's easy, I think it's kind of related to that fake it till you make it, but it's a little different because it's not faking it. It's just taking whatever is on your plate, whatever is lying in front of you and saying, I am going to act like this is an easy thing for me because not only does it have a calming effect on you. And your outlook, but the people around you gain confidence in you and say, "Wow, if this is easy for her." You know, I could do that, or whatever the case may be. Or maybe this is the lawyer I want to deal with if this is easy, they're easy for her. Hi. Or we didn't talk about this, but my other job is I'm a jazzercise instructor, and so I can tell you when those classes get really challenging, it definitely helps, especially the one out there panting and giving the instruction <laughs> to act like <laughs> what you're doing is easy to encourage your, you know, your students to keep going and push, push forward on their health, you know, goals. So, you know, acting like things are easy, especially in the face of really hard things because we know we can all do really hard things. I think it really actually does make it easier.
0: I mean, I just thought that was such amazing wisdom because I do think we all find ourselves, I mean, pretty inundated with some tough stuff, but like I've always said, I mean, we have a choice. We can either be happy through our tough stuff, or we can be stressed out, anxious, angry. And it's kind of similar, I think, to the way way your mom looks at it is just figuring out and saying, I mean, let's think about this and pretend it's easy and just do it and go forward with that type of mindset rather than getting mired in how tough it is. I mean, I just think that was seriously amazing wisdom. I love when moms can drop some good truth bombs on us.
1: Agree. And you know, it's not always easy to pretend like they're easy. You know, what I'm dealing with this week is, you know, I'm a cannabis business attorney. We do all kinds of challenging things, you know, business deals, regulatory things. And I'll tell you, I'll take that all day over getting my kids enrolled in pre-K this week. I mean, it (laughs) has taken everything out of me to negotiate getting all the records and the forms and the releases and the Tests and the practice of drop off. And, you know, so I myself, am still struggling with how I'm going to pretend that that's easy. <laughs> it's a, a brand new
0: challenge for me as mom. Absolutely. Oh, well, I mean, you're just walking into the beginning of all those, you know, school related things. I mean, I hope that you have had the opportunity to read Eve Rodsky's book called Fair Play which is such an amazing book. We actually did a podcast with Eve. You could check that out. But it's all about how to really look at all those tasks. I mean, the things you just mentioned, just the getting all the documents and getting all that stuff ready for preschool. I mean, that's its own part-time job in and of itself. And I have no idea how your husband fits into that. You know, does he participate in that? Is he like gung ho about it? You know, how does that work in your family? Because I know we all do it differently. But Eve's program under her fair play, she has a book and a card game. And I truly cannot recommend it enough to every single mom I know, because it will absolutely revolutionize your family. If you and your husband can read this, play the game and get on the same page in this regard, because it's all about ownership of the task. Because you know how a lot of times women will kind of delegate all these things, like they're kind of minding all the mental part of it, but they're delegating to their husband like, oh, well, can you do this? And can you do this? Well, Eve really brings out this idea of truly divvying up the work, but fully where each person owns a thing from beginning to end. I mean, all the mental work of it, too. And it's just it's pretty game changing. That sounds great. I can't
1: wait to look into that. I'm pretty fortunate. Well, you know, the chapters are changing constantly. But since the pandemic, you know, my husband, it made most sense. We also moved to a new city in May of 2020. And so it made the most sense for him to be at home. And we, when, when things kind of shut down last fall, we were new to town. And so we were like, you know what, we're just hunkering down. And so... I have been grateful enough to, you know, my husband's been the MVP of my law firm, watching the kids upstairs and running the firm from my worldwide headquarters in my basement office here. (laughs) But he's the stay at home parent while I get to get the work done. And it's interesting because when we first made the decision at the beginning of the pandemic that he would stay home, uh, because he always worked. It was like, I thought I was concerned that I would resent him. Mm. And I, but we, but like, this was the safest bet, right? It's like kids to stay home during a pandemic. And we had, thank goodness, had the ability to do that. And I'm largely transactional. A lot of my work can be done remotely. My industry was deemed essential. And so things kept rocking and rolling and growing over the past year. But, you know, a year in, I realized we just passed a year in of him being home with the kids and it was, well, obviously I've been doing some work on myself in the meantime, and I've learned that, you know, the feeling of resentment really stems from the feeling of envy and anger. And that realization made me realize I'm not envying what he's doing because I said, wow, I can't believe I'm not resenting him while he's not working. And I am, but anyone who's listening and or on this show who has any children know that is not an easy job to stay home and raise children, young children, especially (laughs) during a pandemic and wildfires. So we're stuck inside at home only and not in other places. So, you know, I realized a year in, I was like, I can't believe I don't resent him. And it's like, because I don't envy him because that is a hard, hard, hard job. And so it's been a good, you know, we've been good teammates in that regard, but I'm going to read fair play. And I think, uh, (laughs) we just some sort of shift some ownership of this
0: preschool <laughs> well and you might find too like he might have some things you know that he's doing and feels like you know he's carrying all that mental load you know what I mean and need some, you to own certain things I mean I, I just have to tell you it was game-changing to me to really understand it I mean luckily for me we were able to sit down before Eve's book came out you know kind of early on in our marriage and Really have a conversation around. I was just like, I'm thinking of everything like, and I can't do this anymore, right. you know? And I was like, I've got to share the load, the mental load. And so, and when I saw it come out in Eve's book, I was like, she has just hit it so square on about the problems and how we can fix them. And so I just, I mean, I truly think we could change you know, how things look for both parents in and out of the workforce, if we all could really do this and be able to share our duties more fully and equally.
1: And a lot of it's open and honest communication, right? It's like, you know, I find every time I have that call or that discussion, it's like, well, I wish I had known about this sooner.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, tell us about your firm journey. I mean, you have kind of had a wild ride, as I understand it. You started in Florida and are now in Colorado. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I became a licensed attorney in 2012 in Jacksonville, Florida. So I went to law school there. Interned there for a few years with my still my mentor, she's wonderful attorney Imani Boykin. And I clerked with her, accepted a job with her my first year. I moved over to another small firm while I was still in Jacksonville and did family law, estate planning, probate, guardianship, and some criminal defense. And then my husband had some friends out in Colorado who lived in Boulder, and my aunt at the time was subbing for another professor at the law school here in Denver. Um, oh. she, was, she was filling in for another professor for a few years. And so we would come out and visit. And we're like, wow, we really love Denver. We love Colorado. This is really neat, like different change of pace from Florida. Oh, He's yeah. from, from Florida. Yeah. So he was getting his master's degree and I was practicing law. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take the bar out in Colorado and just sort of get this ball rolling. So I took the bar in 2014, had to take a second bar exam, you know, passed that and sort of sat on my license for about a year while he finished his master's degree in Florida. And then we moved out to Colorado. So by then I'd been practicing for about three years in Florida and then moved to Colorado in 2015. And I was curious about the cannabis industry. It had just legalized for recreational purposes. The voters here in Colorado voted for Amendment 64 in 2012. And then in 2014 is when dispensaries started opening up, the commercial side of recreational. Mm -hmm. Medical had been legal for about 10 years prior. And so I moved out here in 2015. Recreational dispensaries were just getting up and going. I had reached out to an attorney and that attorney had indicated they had room at their law firm for an of counsel attorney. And I said, well, if I'm going to be new in a new state, I will be really new and try new things. I was kind of over family law. It really wasn't filling my bucket. It was kind of stressing me out, dreaming about my clients. And I felt there had to be more to it than this. I did enjoy doing probate estate planning and guardianship. And I was open to doing that stuff, but just so happened to, you know, be offered this opportunity. And I said, you know, I'm going to learn cannabis law. This is really interesting and new and different. And you know, the first day I was here in Colorado, I had to do this professionalism CLE in order to be, you know, barred. They make you do a uh-huh. professionalism CLE. Yeah. And they specifically discussed this because their Supreme Court was proactive in providing guidance to attorneys in Colorado that said, so long as you're advising them on what their rights and you know obligations are with regard to any, you know, these specific state amendments. So long as you're letting them know this is federally illegal, like we are not going to take your law license away to that effect is like you're not acting outside the bounds of ethics. And and they it was empowering to me because they said, listen, we don't want only the regulators to have the lawyers. We want (laughs) cannabis entrepreneurs to have legal guidance. And to bring it into the sunlight and not be having handshake deals and, you know, moving the industry forward. And this is back, you know, seven, six, seven years ago, seven years ago, my goodness. And so, you know, since July of 2015, all I've done is work with cannabis companies at first with this other law firm. And then in 2016, the year after we moved, had my daughter And uh, went back to work after about four months and realized I am not making ends meet. (laughs) This isn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work. And so I decided at that point, it was got a few other, you know, signs that it would be the right decision to move on and separate the of counsel and and have my own law firm. And so I went off on my own and a few of the clients that I had worked with at the previous law firm decided to come with me and stick with my firm. And that was in January of 2018. Wow. January 2018 really started my solo career. And then in June of 2018, I found out that I was 14 weeks pregnant with my son.
0: (laughs) Perfect timing. I'm sure. I I said,
1: I already had a baby this year. It's a law firm. And they're like, well, you're having two. (laughs) Wow. So Ezra came around in November of 18 and, um, the firm was about a year old and didn't have any help at that point, you know, sending out emails from the hospital bed and you know, a similar story. A lot of other mom lawyers have told and, but we made it work. And, um, slowly have grown. Now I have two paralegals and uh, now a counsel attorney who works with me and some law clerks and it's, it's growing. So that it's doing great. Awesome.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And are you and your family loving Colorado? We
1: love Colorado. Yeah. David and I love Colorado. My kids are Coloradans, so they know nothing else, but yeah, we absolutely love it. You know, it's funny because whenever you live in Florida, people are always like, but you have the beach you have the beach. And it's like, yeah, but you don't see the beach every day. I get right. to see the mountains every day. So it is, it's beautiful. You know, I lived in Florida from age 10 to 30 and I sweat solid for 20 years. So I'm pretty happy about that aspect of colorado the weather is beautiful the it sure is natural beauty is really wonderful yeah so it's great and we're really enjoying fort collins we moved an hour north of denver last year and so we're really enjoying it up here it's a lot better for our current pace of little kids and you know it's a smaller town everybody's everything's a lot closer
0: Well, tell us, I mean, what are some of the things you learned? I mean, because you have obviously just gone from one thing after another. And now you mentioned even moving in the pandemic. I mean, what would you say to somebody who's considering starting their own law firm kind of at that same point where you're, you know, your family's still growing, you're young in your legal career? I mean, what are some of the things you've learned? Maybe some of the things that didn't work, some of the things that did work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I I think this partly has to do with my practice area, but I, I'm sure it applies across the board. And that is relationships, right. making really the right relationships with people. You know, had I not made relationships with those clients that I worked with at that law firm they would not have chosen me they would have just it would have been easier to just stay at the law firm that they were with and so i think it was that it was the work product that i provide and my dedication to the work that i'm providing for my clients you know i think that has a lot to do with it because especially with cannabis at least we i cannot advertise really much of anywhere sure. google does not accept my ads even though all i'm selling is legal services because it's related to cannabis it can't find me it's hard to find me on facebook Wow. It's hard, yeah, so it's all been organic as far as like search engine stuff because I just can't do pay-per-click stuff. They won't take my money because of the federal illegality of cannabis. So I've had to be more creative in how I do marketing. So I do a lot of speaking opportunities. I get involved with my area of law. So I'm the chair of our cannabis law section of the Colorado Bar Association this year. I've been an active member the past few years. I accepted an appointment as vice chair of a cannabis policy committee for the ABA this year. They're actually doing some stuff on the cannabis front, so really doing that kind of networking and just establishing myself as an expert in my field. You know, I work a lot with the regulators, so I'm pretty known quantity over there, and um, really just trying to spread the word in that regard and just doing the best possible work I can. You know, being a really authentic person, so the same person who's you know on this podcast is the same person giving legal advice to my. Potential clients and my clients who I've had this whole time, they know what you see is what you get. You're always going to get an authentic Rachel. Right. And so I think that really makes a difference. People, you know, they they know what to expect. They, and, you know, maintaining a high quality of, you know, legal services and just that relationship, I think, you know, has helped us get so much more referral business. That's pretty much the bulk of where we get the work from is referrals, which there's nothing better.
0: Well, and I think you just really bring up such a great point when you talk about the authentic Rachel. I mean, I think that if all of us attorneys could have more of that mindset around, I mean, we are the same everywhere. I mean, we just are who we are and being able to embrace that authentic part of ourselves and bring it out both professionally, personally, when we're networking, I mean, just in all the areas. I think that all of this work we do would go so much easier. I mean, I see so many people spending so much time almost creating a persona, and that has to be so hard to keep up with. Exhausting. Yeah, it could be exhausting. (laughs) I mean, I I couldn't do it. I mean, that is like I don't have the brain power. You know, like there is no way. I mean, kind of like when you and I got on this call and I have a puppy just making all these whining noises. I'm like, My Mm. puppy could be having a puppy moment during this podcast and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's like, and I'm just not even going to lose a wink of my mental energy being stressed about it because it just is what it is. I mean, I'm the only one at home dealing with a new puppy. So puppies whine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. I think people really will see eye to eye with you you know, when you're honest about it. And I know, you know, in the discussions amongst mom lawyers, women lawyers, generally, you know, whether you're a law firm owner, you have a job at another firm, whatever, is this question mark of like, do I share the things I'm going through with my, you know, clients and people I work with or not? And like, what is the limit on that? And so I have to say at least like the clients who decided to come with me, those clients worked with me Like when I worked at the other firm through my pregnancy, they knew I was having a kid. They knew I had the kid. Almost all of them were parents. So they all 100% understood. They were so happy and nice about it. And then they still came with me. It wasn't like, Oh God, are they going to come with me because I'm having a kid? It's like, I've always been honest and upfront with them about that. And so it's not a handicap. It doesn't hold me back. They all understand, though. And that part was super helpful. And then once I had my son, you know, like I said, I found out I was pregnant, you know, my first year of my firm having my son. And it's like everybody, you know, I was definitely a little nervous about what could have, should have, would have happened. And nothing happened. Everyone was so supportive. I mean, I've had clients come to my office and hold a baby while they're signing paperwork, you know? And, and I think that only lends more to the, you know, this is my lawyer and not only, you know, is she just like a lawyer at a law firm over here, but like she's on our team. And that's, that is, there's nothing better than having clients give you the feedback that like, not only is she our lawyer, but, she's part of our team because this is an integral part. And as a business lawyer, there's just no better feeling, especially when you're outside. We're not, I'm not in-house counsel, but I'm general. I serve as general counsel for almost all of my clients or at least uh, compliance, you know, counsel as it relates to the marijuana side of things. And so, yeah, it's, I think it helps. I think it definitely helps. And I think it also helps in all kinds of realms, not just with building clients, but, you know, making relationships with the regulators and making relationships with everyone. It's this industry, we are building this plane as we're flying it. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. And I'm the first to remind everyone that, Hey, you know, it's not just, they're trying to come down on you. Right. There's got to be an education and a two-way street both ways, and so that definitely helps. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events... In front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time.
0: As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. Well, and I think that's true in everything. I mean, we have a family law firm and I mean, we as a leadership team talk about it all the time. We are still building the plane as we're flying, you know, and we have to experiment. We make mistakes. We need to, you know, change course, all kinds of things happen. And mm-hmm. I think being able to be authentic through all that, both with your team, your clients, I mean, just everybody, it. It just allows people, I think, to relate to you in a way that is going to bring a richness to those relationships that you cannot have when you're not being authentic in those roles.
1: Yeah, you brought up such a great point. And I wanted to apply that to another thought I had, which is that a lot of times when you're a solo, this happened to me. And then, of course, all the reading and, you know, I, I don't call it self-help, but like, you know, this these right. books, stuff that I'm reading to like help build me up and build up the business. You know, a lot of times we get, and I just went through this, getting over the hump of, you know, I have, I'm my authentic self. So my client wants me and, and I have been able to see how being an authentic person applies not just to that relationship, but to the team building side of things. And so, yes, like a lot of times we struggle with this thought of like, well, the client wants me to handle it. But really, they—I have found—they really don't. If your team is also very authentic, and you're authentic with them, and all of that, I think re- translates to the client. And then, you know, they know that you know you've built up the trust between yourself and the client enough for them to say, "If Rachel trusts her team to handle this mm-hmm. for me, I know I am in good hands." And that realization has really helped the transition from being this lone shark where. I really was of the thought, like, I don't have to be responsible for anyone else. I'm only responsible for me. You know, I'll make as much or as little as I want to. And that was great and all it really was for that chapter. But when you get so busy that you're doing four people's worth of work and you don't realize that till you hire four more people and you're like, oh my God, how was I doing all of this? Cause it's not like it increased since then. It's like, Okay, well, you know, it's it's not just about me. It's about how we take care of people and the team that you build. And you know, I was just going over this with my coach the other day, which was like, you know, I was so nervous and scared to grow my team because I didn't want to be responsible for anyone else. And little did I know, I built my safety net, and I just got goosebumps over it because my team really is my safety net. I never would have thought that. I thought that you know I was safest on my own without others relying on me, but that's not it at all. Now it's like I find myself with an afternoon free and you know, feeling these weird feelings about it like am I messing around? Should I be doing something else? And it's like no, the things you're doing, these this team that you're putting into place, these steps you're taking to build your firm are working and you actually have a moment to breathe for a minute. And that has been really cool and it's really new for me because I've only really started building my team substantially since like october i had a wow. part time paralegal before that now i've got like an executive assistant and the other lawyer and it's like oh
0: this is how we do oh yeah I mean, it makes I mean, it's funny you say this just this morning. And I mean, I have, you know, the same in the sense of I think we started in February 2015. So we're like six years in. We are probably at about 31 people in my office. And just this weekend, I actually sent a note to my leadership team just this morning, thanking them all because, I mean, I historically have spent so many weekends working you know, and constantly just having to do all the things. And until we really put this leadership team in place and divvied up all my responsibilities among seven people, it has been pretty game changing. I mean, and I spent this weekend being able to enjoy my family and, you know, just realizing just like you said, I mean, these people literally are giving me my time back and giving me that time to be able to spend with my family, which I'm just so grateful to them. And they are just such rock stars. And it's cool to watch them all come into their own, too, and be developing skills and, you know, leadership. And it's pretty amazing. I find building your team to be one of the most rewarding parts of growing your firm.
1: Isn't that funny? And it's a best kept secret, I feel like, because you really have to jump off a cliff. You do Start building it. And I mean, I was scared. I hired a coach at that time because I was like, I need someone to hold my hand through this. This is like stressing me out. And I still have months where it's like, well, you know, receivable, just didn't happen to have the right combination of money and trust and, you know, I'm holding the bag until it gets paid because I gotta pay these people. They're my people. But you know, by and large, it it's been amazing. And it's just been so cool to see the dynamics, like you said. And you know, my team, I think they're rock stars too. I mean, they're just they're so great, each in their own right. And they just all have a high, you know, they want to be proud and they're proud of their work and they want to get their work done. You know, I just, I let them do that because I'm not going to be the one to get in their way. you know. And I very much like to treat them like I, and I tell them straight up. And I think this lends to sort of the trust that we're building together, which is, you know, I trust you're going to get your stuff done because you want to get it done and we, and we need to get it done, you know, and I don't care if you want to do that at 2 a.m., or if okay. you want to do that on Tuesday morning, like as long as we're hitting the agreed upon deadlines, like, and yep. we have open communication about it, that works for me. And, you know, really empowering them to find those solutions and just get it done on their time in the best way that works for them, I think has been so invaluable because it's rather than dictating, you know, you must do it at this desk from nine to five
0: you know, that's not how everyone works. It's not how the world works anymore. I was going to say it's such an outdated model. And it truly, I believe so wholeheartedly that nine to five sitting at a desk, it works only if you have somebody at home who's managing everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, that model was set up mostly for men who had wives at home. And I think that it just does not work. And I think we are living in a time and we've seen through COVID, how much can be done under different models and in different ways. And I mean, it's something that is so important to me personally. And I mean, our firm is all virtual and has been since we opened in 2015. I stress with my people all the time. I'm like, work when it works for you. Don't work because you think you need to work from 830 to five, Monday through Friday, make this job work in your life. And, you know, if that means you're leaving in the day, cause you're going on walks and you're getting your nails done, whatever it is you want to do, go do it. And I just, I think it is so important to offer that type of flexibility and really empower your team to be grown ups and do what they need to do.
1: That is exactly my philosophy. And that builds the trust. It really just okay. builds trust amongst you. And then, you know, we do things like take our team on like a team, you know, retreat. I don't know what you want right. to call it. We sort of, sort of a, tr- a retreat and, you know, just hearing like this honest feedback from them, which is like, we want to see you do great. You know, we, w- it's just so cool to see people who, like you said, are ups are pretty much to where they know where they do best and where they don't. And so I frequently have this conversation with my team, which is like, there are certain aspects of every case which suck, and no one wants to do. Right. <laughs> and and I'm not thinking about those. Those ones we just have to just like grin and bear it. But you know, what do you want to do, and what do you want to okay. do best? And it's like, let's have you do those things because you're going to be great at it you know, you're going to be engaging with the client, you're going to want to do it. And then you're going to really like working for me because you get to do the things you want to do. Exactly. And me- so they're like, so it's, it just keeps building and they're like, Man, you succeed because we get to keep doing the things we want to do if you succeed. So exactly. it's just a real nice love fest that I'm uh, walking myself into here and, you know, just that is awesome.
0: Yeah. It's working out. Tell me What, I mean, who do you work with a coach who mostly works with lawyers or are you working with a coach outside the legal realm or what are you doing in that regard? Yeah.
1: So I had interviewed a number of coaches in the legal realm. I think you and I are part of a lot of the same circles. And so I had some talks with a bunch of them and I know a lot of lawyers think this, I'm, I'm just going to say it anyway, but like, my firm's different, you know, <laughs> you know it's not i know that but you know i knew that i wanted to do something different kind of what you did in 2015 you know i knew i wanted to keep it kind of virtual my i don't really care where my team is you know i'm i'm happy to provide space and resources for them if they, that's what they want but you know i'm kind of want to do a different model and so you know, a number of the programs of the lawyer coaches are a pretty big investment. And I was a little bit nervous about that. And so I actually, I talked to my aunt, Um, my aunt, It used to work as a legal director of a large, very well-known legal nonprofit um, in the country. I'm not sure if I can share. So I'm going to hold off. And in any event, I was telling her what I was going through. And she said, well, you know, I wasn't a law firm owner, but essentially I did run a law firm. My nonprofit is a legal nonprofit across the country. And she recommended my coach, Rosemary Bogan. And she is out of Alabama. So it was all phone calls, but we did once a week and she has experience working in organizations, working in like big fortune 500 companies, also small companies. She's kind of done it all. She's been a coach for like 15 years. And so I said, now I'm going to give Rosemary a chance. And so interviewed with her and she was kind of right in the middle. It was like, okay, well, you know, we can make this kind of investment in time. So I, you know, I committed to six months. I committed to weekly calls with her and, you know, following through on the practices that we talked about. So it was really in the middle of coaching, like business coaching, but also a lot of life coaching stuff too, because right. she understands, you know, this, I, I, I bring everything I, I have to it, but, you know, I was nervous about it, but I really liked what she did. And I liked that we, she recognized that, you know, we do need to focus on you as an individual to know like what your strengths are what's your you know wh- what do people get from you and then how do you exemplify that and and really use it in your favor and one of the practices we did right at the beginning was she had me interview 10 people who i've known practically my whole life. It was like three people you've known forever, you know, three people you knew like as an adult, like in college and then three people, you know, like as a, you know, an adult, as a you know a career person, right. I interview them and ask them what shows up when I show up. And the first two or three people start saying the same kind of things. And then the fourth person and then the fifth person. And then it's like, you know, we can talk ourselves into not believing what people tell us, right? Oh, they're just right. saying that because they love me, whatever. But once I got to number 10 and they were all using very similar words and they were words that you said be- at the beginning, one of them was positivity. And you know, I would get these same results and I was like, okay, well, not- some of these people don't even know each other. So mm-hmm. there's no way they're colluding against me, right? That's like the lawyer, like the crazy imposter <laughs> lawyer voice that's like, they're all, that's not, you know. So I, I had to rule that out because they just they could not have corroborated this conspiracy against how great I am. And just, you know, and hearing this, and they, she, we really distilled it down into like five terms that really, like, you know, in her words, were my essence, is how she put mm-hmm. it. Um, kind of yeah. a little woo woo, but you got to have a little woo woo, right? Oh,
0: girl, you gotta yeah, You got to
1: have some woo woo. Woo woo is actually the secret ingredient, right? Get it like, the seeds, do the work, and then believe it's happening. <laughs> Yeah, that is the belief part, you know. You know, so I think that's a that was a really good practice to know myself because I felt before I went into coaching. Anytime I would think about the future, I'd be like, I can't be the only person walking around with like a foggy future and like not have this clear idea. But I always felt like, you know, my life's going on a trajectory. I kind of feel like where I'm at, but like. I don't have any, con- it was hard for me to make concrete goals. Like, I just want to live to be, you know, comfortable, whatever. And, you know, only when I started looking at that, after looking at that stuff, and like really, it took me a few years of private practice. I mean, this is the first year I remember in December of 2020 saying, my firm's going to make a half a million dollars next year. And then I said, who the hell just said that? <laughs> just love me and my part time paralegals. And, and we're on track to do it, and, it and it's happening. And, you know, so we had to declare these things. And so it's wild, but, you know, I think, you know, that was my biggest beef with looking at some of these other coaching programs as they were like very much jumping right into the structure of the business and without the preliminary foundational steps of like, who are you? What are other people, you know, getting from you? And how can we make what you're trying to do big picture more successful?
0: Absolutely. I just love that. Well, and I think, I mean, just in talking to you, I can hear all the growth you've had, you know, just where you are, I mean, emotionally and just how you look at things. I'm a firm believer. I mean, mindset is literally like nine and a half tenths of the game. I mean, all the rest of this stuff you can figure out, you can read, you can, you know what I mean, put in place systems. But if you don't have the right mindset in doing what we do as moms, lawyers, and entrepreneurs, it's impossible. I just think that your mindset is so critical. And I love how you just kind of laid a line in the sand and said, we're going to make a half a million dollars. And hell yeah, you're going to make a half a million dollars plus more, I'm sure. But I mean, it's, and so it's just so important to do that. And I think that the mindset work is just critical. And so many of us want to jump over that step and not oh do God, that. Yeah. Work.
1: It's, it's hard work. And, and you know what? I had to start tackling it. It was like October, November of pandemic year of 2020. Yeah. And and I was like, I mean, it was precarious. I think I know if, if it was precarious for me. It was precarious for everybody. And Just so hard. I mean, we were so many months in the house by then and not knowing what the heck's going to go on. And to any listener out there, like I could not have done this mindset work alone. I knew that. That's why I knew I had to start therapy. I had to start coaching. And I had to really have someone hold my hand through this because left to my devices, I'd be harping on all my fears and worries. Totally counting every little thing on my plate, as opposed to being like, that's not all on my plate at once, you know, and being able to really attack things in the way they should be dealt with. But yeah, I mean, it was, there's no shame in getting help with it. I I love coaches. I love therapists. I love mastermind groups. I love accountability, phone calls, all of those things to help get me to where I am because yeah, it, it took a lot of growth to get, know, through that and get the mindset work done. But yeah, if you don't know what you want, then what are you doing all the other stuff for?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I just think, I mean, I really appreciate you being, again, so authentic about getting that help and talking openly about going to coaches, going to therapists, accountability, masterminds, all of that. I mean, we all need that. And any of us who have the idea we can do this alone, no, you can't. I mean, it's just not going to be as successful and surely not as pleasant without getting that help. And I mean, all of us have needed that at some point. I mean, I am a proud therapy going person in various times in my life. And I mean, sometimes I don't need it. Other times I'm like all in. I'm like, you know, one of the twice a week kind of girls. And it all just depends on what I'm dealing with, how I'm finding myself, you know, showing up in the world. And I have done so many different coaching things. I love going to different coaches. I mean, I'm a, one of those people that I meet so many coaches and have learned something from all of them. And I find it interesting. People will be like, oh, I'd never go to that coach or I'd never do this. And they're very negative about it. And I'm like, I have truly learned something from every single coaching experience I've had, even if it's what I don't want to do. I mean, which to me is very valuable information. I mean, when I can come away from something and say, you know, that just does not sit in my soul, right? Like this would not work for me. That is solid information because I can stop thinking about that then. And I can really put it out of my mind. And so I'm a firm believer in coaching.
1: And like you said, it doesn't have to be all the time, it's for what chapter in your life. You know, when I first went solo, you know, split off from the old firm I was with in 2018, I was a brand new startup. So I felt like I didn't really, you know, I had a few clients under my belt, luckily. But other than that, like I had not much income and, you know, it was really, really slim pickings. And so I knew I, c- I wanted a coach, but I couldn't afford a one-on-one coaching at the time. And so there was a local coach who was offering group coaching. It was like a year commitment, there's four other women we met every other week. We followed their program. Um, that was um, Coach Kim Eikoff, She was wonderful and not lawyer related, but we were all giving personal services. There was like a photographer, there was me, there was all women who, like, it was us. We sold our services, you know, a financial planner. And, you know, I, that was so invaluable for me because when at a, at a time where I felt really alone, you know, I had a one year old, I, was pregnant, <laughs> didn't know it yet. <laughs> I had this law firm, like it was kind of lonely. And it was really right. nice to be able to have a group of women who were on the same track we were at different points in our career, but like having the guidance of a coach, even if it was, you know, shared with other people to fit the price point at the time.
0: Totally. You are so dead on. And there's so many group coaching programs around that I find have been very helpful. If price is the barrier, I mean, you can find a coach in all price points. And I think it is like price cannot be a barrier. You know, you've got to, again, it's a mindset thing. Realize that the coaching is such an investment in your future. And I don't think of it as an expense. I think of it as an investment. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And it just has been really game changing. And so, I mean, Rachel, it has been so, so lovely to talk to you. And I love to hear your journey and i cannot wait to watch you just grow and explode and go past whatever figure you set for yourself as your next goal post and so i really appreciate your time today and i one time i really want to talk to you about the whole cannabis industry where is our country going i mean you know obviously i live in washington and you know we've been right there with colorado oh, yeah you know, legalization of things. And you just wonder when is the rest of the country going to follow suit. But I know that's probably a topic for another day. But I really do appreciate your time and very much good luck with the preschool learning the drop off. Because girl, you've got a lot of years ahead of you. Oh gotta get it right. <laughs> Or you've got to be able to throw them out of the car. Great. Where they're happy with it, you know? Right. That's right.
1: Well, thanks, Elise. This has been great. Yes, absolutely. uh, Stay in touch, too.
0: Okay, thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you. You, too. Okay. bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.